This is the Zero Hour. I am your co-host, Mark Fiertz. And my name's Christine Chapman. And today... Uh, who do we got? We have a dear old friend of mine, Peter Barron. Hey, Peter! Hailing from hey guys. Seattle, yeah. Washington today. Nice. And welcome to the show, Peter. Yeah, so, thanks for having me. It's of fun. course. No, we're we're thrilled. So Peter and I have known each other um, for probably over 20 years. I knew Peter before I was married. He was at my wedding. Wow. Um, and there was a period of time when Peter and his now wife, Akiko, would hang out with myself and my now ex-husband. And we were like the doppelganger cousin, uh, like couples, because Peter is married to an Asian woman, and I had an Asian husband, uh, a non-Asian white blonde husband, at the time, and so it was like kind of fun to know that we had this couple that we hung out with Aww. into getting married and whatnot. That's and so cute. It was kind of cute. Aww, and Peter has sort of seen me through the ups and downs of life, and has been a lifesaver at various points in time, giving me projects and opportunities to put myself out there, and always has been a wonderful dear friend and um, trusted confidant and advisor. So welcome, Peter. I'm so thrilled that you are here with us. Well, I got to tell you, that's like the best intro I've ever heard in my life. So thank you. That's, <laughs> really Wait, it. and a, a happy yeah. belated birthday, Yes, my friend. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Another trip around the sun. Here we go. Another trip around <laughs> the sun. Indeed. Said like a true dad. I love that. Yes. So, yeah. Peter, I know, you know, this show is about storytelling and zero hours that get you from one place to another. And since I have known you, you have always been a champion for independent schools and independent school experiences. And your career trajectory shows that. Um, tell us a little bit about the zero hour that led to your passion and belief and faith in independent schools. Tell us a little bit about your origin story as well. Yeah. So, what a neat concept, right? The zero hour. I really like that. Um, let me just Thank you let very me start much. by saying, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll start by saying that like middle school, Peter was like, like the, the, was just a hot mess. <laughs> so, you know, I, like, if you think about, you know, all the stereotypes of boys, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Middle school Mark was a hot mess too, dude. So, yeah, well, no, share know, share the ways in which middle school Peter was a hot mess. We just um, had talked about earlier the fact that middle school is such a difficult time. And if I were ever to go back in time, it would absolutely not, not. be to middle school. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, it was not, I, I was not, I was not a student at that point in my career. Just trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B was a, was, was a pretty big struggle. And, you know, I was at a, uh, mid, uh, I was in public school through sixth grade and then in uh, seventh grade I went to a private school in Manchester, New Hampshire called Dairyfield. And, you know, it's, it was a pretty competitive place academically, at least by, you know, at least for me it was. And my brother had, been there for a few years ahead of me. He's, he's four years older and had really kind of just established himself really well, had like this amazing mm -hmm. high school career, did really interesting things. And I just, just, I wasn't that, like I wasn't, I just didn't know, you know, which end was up. And 
you know, I kind of plotted along through uh, dairy fields, like seventh, eighth, and ninth. And really, by the end of my ninth grade year, it was, just, it was abundantly clear that I was not going to be successful in that environment. And yeah. I remember we had an academic dean at the point. Her name is Ann Katz. I wonder what happened to Ann. I haven't, I haven't heard, I haven't run into her in years. But, you know, she was very smartly, like, pulled my parents aside and said, look, I, you know, this this is not the place for Peter, right? It's just not, it's not the right learning environment. Have you ever considered a boarding school? And, my, you know, my dad went to, Boston, went to a public school in Boston. My mom went to public school in um, uh, Spokane, Washington. And honestly, like, the idea of private school in and of itself was really foreign to them. And then, then you layer on a boarding school, and you're kind of wondering, like, well, what is that? And What's the difference? I, I, Peter, I'm sorry to interrupt, man. I, so I'm sure. the uh, I'm the non-education as a career person yeah, yeah. in the room. So I got two questions to start with. Um, what is Deerfield? And is it like a really – Dairyfield. Dairyfield. Yep. See, I can't even say it right. That's okay. Is it a, a real exclusive kind of elitist school? Like, <clears throat> what is it? Yeah, I don't know if I would call it elitist. I mean, it, it's a private school in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, I think now they're 6 through 12. Is that right, Christine? I believe I they are, yes, it. yes. Yeah, so, so they're not 6 through 12. You know, it's a really good school. It draws kids from all over central and southern New Hampshire, and they just provide a tremendous academic experience. Um, but for me, it just wasn't something – like, I just – I didn't have the controls, <clears throat> self-control to be able to really understand how do you sit down and study and, and get your work done. Like the, like I said kind of at the beginning, jokingly about executive functioning, yeah. I, I truly did not have the executive functioning school skills to um, be successful in an environment where like you were held accountable academically, right? Is that a product of, and, of your age at the time or a product of your personality? Uh, I think it was a product of a bunch of things. I think it was a product of you know, kind of, you know, just not a lack of self-confidence. You know, I think it was a product of, you know, I had a mild learning difference disability that had been diagnosed back then. And I just didn't, I literally didn't know how to study. Right. Yeah. And I likely would have run into these same issues had I stayed in the public school system in Concord, New Hampshire, where I grew up. But, you know, Garyville, I think just, you know, shined a really big light on where my weaknesses were. And, to Darius credit, like they they just understood that they didn't have the right kind of tools for me at the school to be successful. And this was very early on when you know well, that's, were being diagnosed. That's diagnosed interesting. With learning differences, right? Yeah. That's interesting because it's really early on that they're able to kind of identify this, call in, you know, call in your parents and say, "Hey, uh, here's what we're thinking." And in public schools, you'd be like. Sorry, this is uh, this is what we got, sure. right? And if your kid, yeah. you know, if your yeah, kid yeah. can't get it on, then you know, str struggle, right? So, like, I would feel and that I, you had a bit of an advantage. Oh, oh it was a tremendous, <clears throat> you know, me not doing well and them acknowledging my like academic success was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because right. you know, bringing it back to to Ann Cat, you know, she said, "Have you heard about this thing called boarding school?" And so, you know, we investigated it and. What we discovered was that they think that could provide, my, like my parents discovered, right? I was still like 14 or 15 at the point, so I didn't really know which end was up. But, right. um, you know, the, the idea that uh, my day was going to be structured, I was going to get up at a certain time, go to school, go to sports, have a, you know, an hour to like blow off steam, 
go have dinner, sit down and in a study hall and get my work done. Right. Like that was really the, all those things were the missing ingredients. And, you know, it's not fair. It wouldn't have been fair for my parents to try to implement that at home because, you know, they were super busy, you know, multiple kids, work, all the things. Right. So, so, so how did you, how did you respond when they were like, Hey, Peter, so apparently there's this thing called boarding school, right? Were you like, yeah, you no know, way? Or were you like, huh, this way. is a novel idea? I, I don't remember, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I should, but I don't. I, 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 You know, if I had to guess, and this is probably me piecing together memories very quickly, but, I, you know, I don't think I was super excited about it. Like, right. You know, I had all my friends. I knew I knew it's one is up. But I think at the same time, I also, like, subconsciously knew that, I was, you know, Darius will just, I wasn't going to be the student that I needed to be there. Right. And again, like, I, this is not a slight against Darius They are an amazing institution, but for 14 or 15 year old Peter at the time, like, I needed something different. I needed that, like, 24 seven education with the structure, right? So, and, so what's, yeah, that was a big, that was a big thing for us. What's the difference between private school and boarding school? Boarding school you live at, they board you. Yes, that's Private school is a day school? It's a day school. Okay. And there are some schools that have day and boarding programs, right? Yeah, lots of them do. Yeah. Lots of them do. Um, Yeah, so, you know, we went about looking at a bunch of schools and, uh, you know, mostly in New Hampshire. Maybe one, I think we looked at one in Massachusetts, but primarily in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I'll never forget, like... I was a huge basketball to this day. I'm, I'm a huge basketball fan, and it's like my son is like definitely taking that from me. It's pretty, it's pretty wild how he loves basketball too. And yeah. I'll never forget going on a tour at Brewster Academy's uh, at Brewster Academy where I ultimately ended up. And this is going to sound really silly, but back in the, the mid '80s or late '80s, I can't remember exactly when I enrolled. I must have been late 80s. Uh, you know, the, the three-point line in the, in, in the basketball, in the high school game was just starting to emerge, and very few basketball courts had a three-point line. And I remember walking on the tour, and they had a three-point line there, and I'm like, Dad, that's amazing. Like, I think this is the place I want to go. And that's like, awesome. <laughs> it was based on, but it was based on that, yeah. that one factor, right? Yeah, yeah, that's little point of paint, right? He's 15. Yeah, yeah. Of course that's what it's based on. <laughs> I think I three point yeah. line, Mom. I'm here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, it was I. I ended up enrolling, and um, honestly, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So, did you spend three years there, or did you spend four years there, Peter? Because you had done ninth grade at Dairy Field, right? Yeah, I actually repeated, which again was like an amazing opportunity for me because I needed to build the foundational skills from the sure. ground up. Sure. And you know, Brewster. Um, did that and they did it remarkably well i mean i just all the things that i was missing before because uh you know it like it's i would argue it's really hard to replicate a boarding experience living at home like you know life is too you know frenetic and too many things going on and obligations but i got there and they literally like peter you're this is your roommate you're gonna live here you're gonna go to school you're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to go to school for however many hours. And then after that, you're going to have sports for a couple of hours. Then we're going to give you, you know, a handful of minutes to blow off some steam. And we're was all it, going to come together as a school and sit down and have meals. And you're going to was it like that. Like, was, that was crazy. Was it like a scene out of uh, Step Brothers when, like, they're lying in bed, you know, in, like, their single beds in, like, in, like the same room with, like, Will, Will, Will uh, I forget the actor's name. But, you know, it, Will Farrell, thank you. Was it? Was it awkward? 
Um, so you're, con- you're you're combining age, you're combining distance, you're combining newness of this, you know, roommate. Mm. Um, was was it like weird at first? You're like, this is kind of strange. Like I'm forced. Oh sure. Yeah. Oh sure. I mean, I, I think I mentioned earlier that I was, you know, insecure and did lack self confidence, like so many kids at that age. So you know, thrust into that situation, you know, it was definitely you know those those kind of weaknesses were heightened. But that all. I mean, that's the beauty of boarding schools. Like, you just, you know, day after day after day, like, you just get to know people so well. A lot of those insecurities start to fade, and they, they largely become family, right? Yeah. right. They, they see the best of you and the worst of you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say by, like, the middle of my ninth grade year, I was I found a really, really good result. So, Peter, talk about the transformation, right? Like, did you feel it coming? Did you Did you see it? Was there, like... Um, you going home to mom and dad and mom and dad going, wow, Peter, you've really changed. Or like when you look back on that experience and how empowered you were by the time you left and went off to Skidmore, also my alma mater, right? Like you probably felt like a completely different person and you were a completely different person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I started to realize it by when I got my got my first set of grades. Like, what's, when I, I don't remember, like, if it was semesters or trimesters or what, but that first set of grades, and I actually had some A's and some B's, and, like, I never had that before. That's it was awesome. a completely new experience for me. So that, in and of and, itself, was probably a shot in the arm that helped you sort of project forward and feel seen and feel known and feel yeah. heard, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the beauty of boarding schools is that they really do set you up for success and there are controls there if you're not doing well, right? Because they know, they know when you're not doing well. You can't hide, right? Like that's one of the things that's really powerful about a boarding school. But I just, it just gave me so many opportunities to try new things and be successful. And like that, you know, with each successive year, just build confidence. And yeah, I mean, it just, it literally, literally, it literally changed my life. I don't know what I would have been like had I not gone to a boarding school. Cause I'm just, I, I still like, I wonder like where would I have acquired those skills? They, they, it probably would have come along at some point, but I just, it was just so like clear to me that this, I mean, even at that age, I knew that things were changing for me. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's fortunate, like super fortunate to know at a young age or to know really like almost at any age, like what you're meant for, like what your purpose is. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's awesome because I still struggle with what my, what my purpose is, right? Other than raising kids and doing my part. Um, that's interesting. Thank you. So, yeah, I don't know if I would say like clarified purpose for me because, you know, that's, that's, that's a lifelong search in my mind. Like your, your purpose is always evolving depending on conditions. But what it did do was you know, it instilled confidence. Yeah. And you, when you're a teenage kid, like if you have the gift of if you have the gift of somebody helping you build confidence, like you can really go do some cool things. So so Peter, talk a little bit about how that transformative power that was boarding school fueled your professional life going forward. You go off to Skidmore, you graduate, where do you go after that and how is it that you end up where you are now continuing to support independent schools in some capacity even today? Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I graduated from college, Christine, I went to, I, I got a job at a, 
it, it doesn't exist anymore, but a boarding school up in um, Burlington, Vermont, they they focused on learning differences, and it was on the residential side. So I, you know, I was there working with the kids and and and, and enjoyed it. But I also realized, like, you know, I, first off, like Burlington, Vermont, wasn't the place I wanted to be. And Ugh, I, I love Burlington, Vermont, that, like, Peter. Yeah, you know, it was very similar to Saratoga, which is where Skidmore is. Yes, but like, yes. I wanted a bigger environment, right? Yep. And so I ended up moving to Boston to go to graduate school at Tufts. And, you know, from there, got my master's in teaching and thought, honestly, I thought I was going to be a teacher, right? This transformative experience that I had at Brewster and some of the teachers that I had there. Yep. That, you know, one in particular to this day, I, I think about multiple times a week, like, because he was that powerful for me. Um, wow. I thought I was going to teach and ultimately decided I, you know, that wasn't really where I wanted to be. And I worked in some nonprofits and I did some things and like, I enjoyed all that stuff, but I was kept getting drawn back to independent schools and that transformative thing. So, you know, I just sought to, I sought ways in which like education and business intersect. And I kind of wanted to play there. Like I wanted yes. to play at that intersection. And so that, that was really a big kind of transformation, not a transformation, but realization when I was, you know, and right around when we met, right? I yeah, think right around when we met. All that stuff out. Yeah. Because I remember it was Admissions Quest. And yeah. And that was your first real sort of venture bringing business and schools together, correct? Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, that <clears throat> was, it was, yeah, 100%. I mean, it was right before the dot com bubble burst and then that burst. And so that was like a, you know, that, that it didn't impact me as much as maybe others, but certainly, you know, if I, yeah. it, it made scaling harder. But um, I, yeah, I, I really wanted to help other families experience the same thing that I did. So I effectively built like a brochure for independent independent boarding schools where families could come to this website and research schools and get all this, you know, extra information around the process of applying to independent schools and all the things. So. Yeah, I did that for, I mean, that was around for a long time, but it yes. had like multiple iterations. Yep. And, um, you know, some, you know, I was, you know, some iterations I was really excited about other iterations, like less so, you know, but that's part of growing a business. Absolutely. And you went from growing your own business to going into education in a different capacity, working for a larger organization and right yeah, yeah, I worked for a couple. I worked for a company that uh, is called InResonance, and they provide software solutions to independent schools, and so I did sales there for a few years, and then ultimately landed at um, a place that, a, a company called Whipple Hill, Yep. which, you know, we built websites for schools, we had, you know, basically a CRM for schools around student information, a whole bunch of different things, and that was a really neat experience, because when I arrived, it was just as the company was it was was kind of ready for its next stage of growth, which ultimately led to an acquisition. And so, you know, I learned a lot in a couple of years there. Was part of a an, acqu an acquisition. We were bought by a you know Blackbog, which is a publicly traded company. So, like, nice. just think of it this way: like Whipple Hill was a hundred people, Blackbog was four or five thousand. I can't Ooh, remember wow. the number. And so, you know, we got you know. Uh, we, it was, and you know, it's funny. I remember when we got acquired, I had friends call me and be like, are you okay? Are you going to have a job? Like, you know, is everything all right? And honestly, like it was the, probably the best 
acquisition story that I could have ever imagined. I mean, they effectively said, hey, like, you guys are the go-forward solution. We want you to, you know, lead the, the product line for their K-12 business. And it was just a wild ride. And I was there for three years and learned a lot about, you know, how do you navigate within a larger organization? Yeah. And, like, just understanding, like, the power of an, a large organization and some of the things that you can accomplish. That's amazing. Did um Did you like being a part of a larger organization or... How did you feel about bureaucracy and policy and procedure? You know, I took the mindset of I've never done this before, and so I'm just going to absorb everything that I possibly can, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yep. I think, you know, every experience I had there was really, like, built, contributed to, you know, where I am today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just the idea of, like, if you have an idea and you're part of a larger organization, how do you socialize that idea so that you can gain traction? Like, right. if you're working by yourself in a small business, that's easy. But when you're part of a, when you're, you know, a, a smaller part of a bigger organization, like, that takes some skill. And so that is a skill that I think was really valuable for me to learn. Amazing. And then you were off to EMA? Yeah, I was there for five years. Um, and, you know, that's called the Enrollment Management Association. It's a, uh, a nonprofit association of independent schools all over the world and really focusing on the enrollment side of the house, which, you know, it's funny when I was recruited to, to join them. I'm like, you know, this is kind of the intersection of all the things that I've been building right. towards. So, like, EMA helps families find schools. Well, I did that with Admissions Quest. EMA provide skills and training to independent school educators. Like I did that through a couple of other projects, right, projects right. that I had. It had software, like, like all these things. I'm like, oh, well. So it's all is, coming this together. It kind of feels like my call. Yeah, it kind of felt like a calling at the time. Yeah, for sure. That was a fun experience. Learned a lot. It was hard during COVID. I mean. Of course. You can imagine, like, it was just a challenging time. But, you know, we came out of it on the other side. And, you know, I think that EMA has got a, a good future ahead of it. And Peter, you're, you're doing something a little bit different now and seeing schools through a different lens. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, you know, I joined this company called Aaron Kent Consulting and the organization provides literacy consulting to international schools. So, you know, Mark, an international school is there are thousands and thousands of them, out, out, you know, in the in the world, mm -hmm. and they are, you know, teaching like maybe it's a UK curriculum or an American curriculum or a Canadian curriculum, and oftentimes they're like like independent schools or private schools here in the US. They're tuition charging, so you, yeah. you know you have to pay a fee to attend. So on the surface, they look very similar to independent schools, but as you start to work with them, you're like, oh, they just they are similar in a lot of ways, but they're also super unique. Like they have their own characteristics and traits that are different than uh, independent schools. So that's been fun, kind of learning how those schools operate in ways that are a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, I'm helping grow that business now. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a real education kind of getting to see, a, you know, a different side of the, uh, you know, the industry. It's been fun. Peter, how long have you been in this current role doing that? Uh, um, Almost a year. Yeah, I think it'll be a year in August. Yeah, so like, what, 10, 10, 11, 10, months, 10 months or so. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Always, I think what's important is always growing, always learning, right? I mean, you can, oh, yeah. you can never truly be a master at your industry. Well, in most industries, because of new technologies and new learnings and new techniques. Like, doctors have to continuously update their skills for 
procedures, right? Um, and yeah. so does everyone else, right? So the educators uh, yeah. to keep in vogue, right? To keep updated with the latest uh, styles, right? Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and trust me, I've been learning. I've been learning yeah, a lot, it, right? Like, I, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot to lot to absorb in a short amount of time. But yeah, you know, I'll say that you know all those years working in independent schools created a really good foundation, right? It's not you know I, it's not like I I haven't worked with international schools in the past. Like we have, we had a number of them who are members at EMA, right, right. But when you're work, but but when they're your sole focus, you really start to see you're like, oh, this is really neat. This is how they do like. I, this is how they do this versus how an independent school does that. And right. like, I, I, get, I enjoy like finding those differences and those unique parts of the, of the world. I, it's just, like you said, Mark, it's just kind of fun to keep learning. You know, uh, a, a real common theme through all of these shows we've been doing and talking to mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and spirited people and people who have had these watershed moments is the purpose behind what it is they do that keeps them motivated, Right that keeps them alive, that keeps them lustful for the opportunities that they create. Peter, talk to us a little bit about your purpose. Like what keeps you active, learning, interested in what it is you're doing. It all stems back from the Brewster School. So what what is motivating you that is non-monetarily significant or important for you to get you up at 6 a.m., get you excited, get you pumped about what it is you do for a living? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, my purpose really is tied to kind of the challenges that I had as a kid and not necessarily finding myself and understanding, like, how to be a learner and all those sorts of things. You know, independent school just opened that door for me. So, like, you know, my purpose is to help as, as many schools, whether it's you know, here in the U.S. or abroad, like, create some more opportunities for, for students. Um, because when it clicks and when it happens, like, the power of that is unbelievable. Like, here I am, like, in my early 50s, and I still think constantly about that experience that I had as a 14- and 15-year-old at Brewster Academy. Like, That's great. that has stuck with me, and, has, and I can easily draw a line to everything that I have done professionally to that experience, and that, that ultimately is the thing that feels That's me. cool. That's really cool, man. That that is pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. Peter, I know you were also yeah. a very dedicated and active parent. And as yeah. you um as you envision being able to give the um the sort of nuggets of advice you might to parents who were just like you and just like us, is there anything you would say, whether it's, you know, some some trick or habit that gets you through juggling multiple duties or whether it's a piece of advice you have that is specific to parenting, what would you say to parents like us as we navigate the work-life balance and try to be our best selves for our kids? Yeah, I, I you know, it's going to sound maybe a little contrived, but like find joy in the chaos, you know, like, yeah. um, yeah. I just, I know my kids are going to be home for home, but, you know, one's going to be out the door in a couple of years and the other will be, you know, a couple of years after that. And I'm like, wow, like I, we got to like soak up every second, even if it means, you know, getting in a car and driving two and a half hours for a soccer game, you know, on a rainy Sunday afternoon in Pacific Northwest. Like I love it. Like I love that stuff because I, you know, th- th- those moments are so limited. And, uh, 
yeah, it gets hard at times for for every parent because you are pulled in a bunch of different directions. But yes. I don't know. I, I just I just know that it's time capped, right? And so I try to find joy in, in that chaos. You know, it's uh, it's often all the parents listening. That's often easier said than done because you're you're kind of caught up in a moment, right? Like I remember someone saying yeah, to me right. when my kids were babies, to like they grow up fast. I'm like, it doesn't feel like it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, right, 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 right. right, right. Doesn't feel like it, but joy in the craziness, I, that kind of appeals to me because, you know, I mean, my kids are, are already like, my 16-year-old's like, I'm out of here in two years, peace, right? You'll never see me again, bye! Right. And I'm like, oh, shit, like, I'm going to have a hard time being like an empty nest yeah. father, right? Because I, you know, cherish the moments, but... do Am I always successful at finding peace in the or joy in the chaos? No. You know, like I have to sometimes I'm surprised I still have a lower lip. I bite it so much. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's that's solid advice. And it's easier spoken than it is felt. But I think as parents, like you just have to like, like pick and choose your battles. Right. I'm not going to fight this battle today. I'll I'll fight something else. Right. Final right. question, Peter. Yeah, it's just because well, I know that it's yeah, um, yeah, yeah. important to you as it is to, to both Mark and myself. Um, taking care of yourself. I know you've got a routine and you've got a commitment mm. to to taking care mm. of yourself every day. And you're blessed to live in the Pacific Northwest and look up at the mountains and at the ocean. So please share with us your self-care reality. How do you recharge? Yeah. Yeah, how do I recharge? Like, I'm just, you know, I'm a big fan of exercise, right? It's just something that has been really important to me my whole life. And it's the time, it's the hour out of the day where I can just shed, like, all the craziness that is around us in the world and just literally focus on nothing other than doing the thing, doing the, the workout that I have in front of me. And yeah. I find that to be a really kind of a peaceful experience and one that resets me every single Same. day. Like, it, let me say, it, it, let me just say, it, it's always worked. It's, I've never walked out of workout and not felt better. Same. So, yes. what do you um, like to do? What's your workout? Oh, uh, I do all sorts of things. Like I, you know, I, I, I years ago when I was over almost ten years ago, what ten years ago? I did like a uh, CrossFit gym, and I just kind of stuck with that methodology yeah. for yeah. a long time now. So yeah. it's, it's definitely I'm kind of competitive, so mm-hmm. I like that too. <laughs> there you go. There it's you definitely go. a, a daily reset. Right. It's, it's, you yeah. know, I, I run just about every morning. It's for my mental health first and then my physical health as a result. Right. Yeah. Um, but it definitely yeah. it's my hour of to myself. Right. And then I can, I'll ha- tackle anything during the day as long as I can get my hour. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Peter, thank you so much. I don't know if there's oh, anything you pleasure. would like for us to share plug as something? you plug something. Maybe plug no, Booster I mean, Academy. If anybody wants to reach out, yeah, well, I think I gave Booster Academy pretty good commercial yes, on yes. that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, no, I think uh, you know if anybody ever wants to connect, I think the best way to, to find me is on LinkedIn. I mean, pretty active there, so there's anything I can do for anyone, I'm always I'm always happy to help. And it's uh, Peter Barron with two R's. No. Oh, shit. One R. Uh, oh, one R. Sorry. One R, one R, Peter one R, Barron, one R, one R on yeah. LinkedIn. And yeah. Peter, you also That's have it. a podcast. 
I do. That's my creative outlet, right? Like yes. I feel it's really important to have a creative outlet. So much like you, uh, I have a podcast partner and we talk to, you know, successful CEOs and kind of C-suite people who have been become really good leaders. And we just try to figure out like, how did you do that? Right. Because I think there's lots to learn from people who've kind of unpacked it. And uh, that's been a lot of fun learning from people of all walks of life, not just independent schools. Like we've talked to people across multiple industries and, yeah, it's just interesting. I really enjoyed that. It's been a good creative outlet. That's awesome. Will you give your podcast a plug, please, for us? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's called The Leadership Backstory. Uh, you can find it at leadershipbackstory.com or any of the places that you doubt, you listen to your pods. Uh, plus, we have a YouTube channel where we throw, throw all of our uh, video interviews up there, too. So you can either watch it online or you can listen to it on your, your podcast app, whatever, whichever one you use. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. Peter Peter Barron, everyone. Peter Peter Barron. Thanks for coming. Take care. Bye. This is The Zero Hour. I'm Mark Feert, your co-host. And this is your host, Christine Chapman. Peace, y'all. Thank you so much.